It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Wash my hands. I don't touch my face. I stay at home. Shelter in place. Don't go to work I wear a mask and gloves Stay away from church I avoid old folks And should I sneeze I do it in my elbow Or up my sleeve Six Part. That is the rule, and I pray for the day the kids can go back to school. I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD. I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors And I'm sick of what I see 
Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and this is a pre-recorded edition of the Tom Sumner program, but yet all of the interviews are uh, brand new to this uh, particular edition, including uh, the uh, psychiatrist and author that we open up with, uh, clinical professor of psychiatry, Norman Rosenthal, author of... um, uh, an interesting uh, book. It's, uh, let me see if I can find the right, let me see if I can find the title. Uh, I want to get it right um, because it's, yeah, here it is. Poetry Rx, How 50 Inspiring Poems Can Heal and Bring Joy to Your Life. Imagine being prescribed poetry for what ails you. And then we're going to talk to um, a debut novelist who has written a uh, a story of a biracial woman's struggles to find love, family, and faith in the shadow of lies. The book is called um, The Wool Over Their Eyes. Her name is Dion Martin. She joins me in the second hour of our three-hour tour. The book is somewhat based on her own experience uh, growing up. And then we're going to end uh, in the third half of our three-hour tour with uh, John Spurzel, who is uh, currently the CEO of T2 Biosystems. And he talks about, uh, he has a book called Courage, Powerful Lessons in Leadership, Strength, and the Will to Succeed, inspired by his own experience having a heart transplant and the road to recovery. And so we've got a lot packed into this pre-recorded edition of the show so don't touch that dial don't click that mouse it'll be just like we were here live stay tuned and dr rosenthal up straight away 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My uh, guest this hour is a clinical professor of psychiatry at Georgetown Medical School. He has uh, a new book that's, uh, well, it's not your uh, typical self-help book. Let's put it that way. (laughs) The book is called um, Poetry Rx, How 50 Inspiring Poems Can Heal and Bring Joy to Your Life. It's by... Dr. Norman Rosenthal, who joins me by phone. Uh, Norman, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, how did how did the idea that um, that that poetry could be a panacea for um, all kinds of uh, emotional uh, distress and and um, how did you come to that conclusion? Well, yes, thank you. First of all, uh, panacea is a strong word. It suggests <laughs> that something can cure everything, and of course nothing cures everything. But I think uh, where it is applicable is that it can help in a very wide variety of situations. Yeah, I apologize and for that. The alliteration carried me away. No, it, it, it's <laughs> tempting. Um, I have occasionally been tempted myself. So um, in any event, it, uh, all my life or all my reading life, I have resonated with poetry and I have felt it. Um, and at times it has been a great comfort and consolation to me personally. However, it is really encountering in my patients and in my clients this kind of response, uh, healing response that it attracted me as a novel element that is worth adding to the mix of treatments and ways we use to help people and that we should definitely consider this among them. And as I pursued this idea, I found more and more people who responded to the concept and who felt like it was uh, meaningful to them. So, uh, yes, that, that is how it came about. It sat inside me. I was very passionate about it. And uh, finally, uh, maybe it was the pandemic, really, that gave me the solitude and the isolation to finally uh, do justice to the idea. Yeah, I, w- I wondered if um, how much the, the pandemic had to do with... I, I ask a lot of writers, you know, how they've continued because writing for a lot of people is solitary it's something you could do at home and and for a lot of uh, songwriters and novelists you know i've asked them has this been a productive time for you and it's surprising the number of people who say well no actually i was kind of just sort of stuck like a deer with you know in the headlights well yeah i think this is, this is not my first book. This is actually my tenth book. Um, but it is one for which I have tremendous passion. And I know enough now to know not to sit at a blank page if I don't have any idea what I want to write. I try and develop my thoughts. They, they kind of gradually, like, like, you know, when you fry an egg, 
firstly, it's all this kind of clear liquid, and then slowly the egg begins to, the fried egg begins to develop. Uh, as you watch it, it, it kind of gels, so to speak. And that's how, I mean, it's a crude image, I should think, but, and I've never used it before and very likely won't use it again, but it does convey a sense of ideas crystallizing. Like um, uh, I used to have a, we used to have this uh, experiment where we'd put a supersaturated uh, sugar solution with strings in it and watch the crystals form around the strings. And that's how ideas crystallize. Like when I'm sitting at the page, I already have some sense. And that's when you need to take a leap and just write and not worry what the writing is going to look like and how it's going to come up because you're going to reread it and you're going to say, wait, this is terrible. How did you do such a bad thing? And then you're, <laughs> going, to do a, you're going to do a better job the next time. Norman, have you formed any, any um, theories about why poetry um, and, and the comfort people get from poetry can be beneficial to people having uh, uh, emotional distress or issues? Yeah, it, you know, our, our verbal areas, we've got, we've got areas in the brain that receive verbal information, very, very important areas. Um, the one is the famous broker's area and other verbal areas, and then there are association areas. But, but if you think of it, um, how we're comforted even when we're tiny babies. You know, our mother might say, go, everything is going to be all right, don't worry, and then they might sing you something or they might say something to you. It's fine, it's, it's all going to be okay. Um, now, will it be okay? Who really knows? But it's comforting words that, that settle people down from the earliest stages. And so... Uh, Comforting words, and, you know, in, in the work as a therapist, you're using words often, you know, how can, uh, you know, this must feel really bad, how can you make it feel better, and, you know, you're, you're constantly using words for various reasons, you know, people can use words to hurt other people, but they can also use words to comfort and heal other people, it's as old as our verbal abilities, so that when they've studied uh, people listening to poetry, they can measure goosebumps and chills when uh, the, the, there are certain emotional chords that are struck. And they have done imaging studies and they have shown that the reward centers of the brain are activated by poetry. And they can even say, where in the poem does this happen? And so there's a lot of evidence that words in general and certain words, poetic words, can elicit powerful emotional responses. More about how poetry can heal and bring joy to your life with psychiatrist and author Norman Rosenthal. Straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs>
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places. So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about how poetry can heal and bring joy to your life with psychiatrist and author Norman Rosenthal. Straight ahead. You know, there's been so much poetry written in the world throughout history, and as uh, someone who appreciates poetry, you know better than most what's out there. How did, how did you select which 50 to include in the book Poetry Rx? Now, that's a great question. I firstly have collected them in my, I didn't write them all down, but I, I, I picked them one by one, and oftentimes they come with a uh, story attached to it. I love telling stories. I'm a storyteller. So these are not just poems put out there. I put out the poem, then I explain why I think it's you know interesting or um, why it does its job. Then I give people some takeaways, and then I tell a little bit about the poet and the poem. So I, I sort of stitch together why does this poem come from this particular person? Um, but I, I have sort of collected them personally, and then I sort of put out the word to my patients, to my friends, are there any poems that have been significant to you, that you feel resonate or have uh, meaning? And uh, so it was actually hard to isolate them down to 50 because there's so many wonderful poems out there. But the ones I have included are those that I strongly feel can have this effect that I'm describing, that can heal, inspire, and bring joy to people's lives. And the book, again, the the title is, uh, let me make sure I get this right, uh, Poetry Rx, How 50 Inspiring Poems Can Heal and Bring Joy to Your Life. When you say... How does that mean that in the book, in addition to the poems and the stories, you explain how this all works? Absolutely. That's a crucial part of the book because, you know, a lot of people think of poetry as dull or this isn't for me, it's for somebody else. Nobody will, it, it never sells. You'd never buy a book about poetry. But if you're explained how this poem can bring you this joy, what it is about the poem that delivers its, its message, its, its gentle message or its powerful message that you can use in your daily life, you see? That's where this book is different. It's not an anthology. It's not a collection of poems. It is a self-help book because it's showing you how you can enjoy a poem and then how you can benefit from it. You can come back to it again and again. You can read it loud to yourself, and it will bring you new gifts, new meanings. If it's a profound poem, as all of these are, it will, it will help you time and again. And, and many people have said, oh, yes, that poem, that does it for me. That resonates with me. And uh, so that's, that's why I say how. Um. Norman, I'm I'm curious, the, the 50 poems that you selected, did you uh, select different poems for different kinds of, of healing, for different kinds of issues that people might have, or is, is it a collection of things for general well-being? 
Well, no, I, I do I do categorize them. I, I the first section is loving and losing. You know, and people are, are really in love. They they want to write poetry. They want to read poetry. It speaks to them. But then when people are losing, you know, when people have had a breakup, uh, for example, there's the poem Love After Love uh, by the famous poet Derek Walcott, how you reclaim yourself after losing love. Um, or there's another one called um, Failing and Flying, how how somebody, uh, this is Jack Gilbert, how somebody is on an island, uh, not on an island, the Caribbean, yes, and he is, uh, is with his wife, whom he obviously loves, and he senses she's falling out of love with him. But he can't help still appreciating her beauty and the beauty of the setting. So that's a poem that says, you know, even if something isn't going to last forever, it's worthwhile it's still something that's beautiful and don't let it go without appreciating it you know some people are already stirring up a fight so that they don't have to feel the pain of loss but in his case he's saying I still remember I remember all the elements that you know I, I love in her and loved in her and I knew she was not going to be around forever but lots of beautiful things are not around forever and so it, it gives you new ways to see things. Then, then I talk about responses to nature. Um, people who have extracted brilliant insights, but just also enjoyed it and showed you, you know, the effects that nature has on them, so that you can uh, yourself see nature with new eyes. Uh, one called human experience. Uh, another one called a design for living. And finally, the last stage of life called into the night, which is where, you know, we're getting older and we're um, moving towards the end of our lives. And what have poets had to say about that as well? So it, it really captures people in, in various stages of their lives. It speaks to them in various situations. Uh, so that is really how I have organized it. Um, Norman, the book is uh, scheduled to uh, publish on May 4th mm -hmm. of 2021, and, and, I, and I can't help asking, and I, and I sort of know the answer to this because I've read some reviews, but you have been able to share the book with some people. How are they responding to this idea? Well, you know, it really has been such a wonderful experience for me because you know, when you're writing, you don't really know for sure if you've reached your reader. And in my case, of course, I would never write a book without running the drafts by several different people and getting their feedback because, you know, you're so into it and you're seeing it with your own eyes. But it has truly been such a joyful experience for me to, you know, very sophisticated, brilliant uh, readers like Jane Brody from the New York Times, who initially told me she didn't like poetry and she wasn't sure she could say <laughs> anything nice about my book. She's very candid. And I said, well, you know, maybe if you just sort of take a look at it and read it. And she was turned around. And to me, the, the idea of somebody being so open-minded and being so able to resonate and respond to something I've written 
is a very thrilling experience because, you know, if, if somebody absolutely loves poetry and has got a bookshelf full of poetry books, well, that's an easy sell. But somebody who thinks, no, I, I don't think that, that I can do that, but wait a sec, let me just take a peek at it. And, uh, and says, wait, wait a sec, maybe, maybe poetry is not so dull and stuffy as I always thought it was. And we had a bad poetry teacher and she kept me in detention and I never want to see another poem again. Um, but, but wait a sec, there's something here. That's, that's a very exciting experience for a writer. Um, does the, the rhythm or cadence that a particular poem has or uses influence um, how effective it might be for a certain kind of issue someone might be having? Uh, oh, certainly. You know, some uh, poems are structured in, in uh, sort of very formal ways that create a musical effect. Uh, the very first poem in the collection is called One Art by Elizabeth Bishop, and it's what we call a villanelle, which has got a very clear structure, a clear rhyme scheme, and a musical effect. If, if I may just read the first several lines, yeah, please. Uh, you'll see. Uh, here it goes. The art of losing isn't hard to master. So many things seem filled with the intent to be lost, that their loss is no disaster. Lose something every day. Accept the fluster of lost door keys, the hour badly spent. The art of losing isn't hard to master. Then practice losing farther, losing faster, places and names, and where it was you meant to travel. None of these will bring disaster. So I'll stop there, but you can see how certain lines are repeated again and again. Yeah. And as they come back, they have a feeling of, oh, yeah, I've heard this, this line before. And how clever she's put it in a new context. And there's this alternating rhyme scheme. And it, it has the feeling of a villanelle, a kind of a song that a troubadour might have been playing to you in a country inn. And yet, at the same time, it's got these very brilliant words. And she is helping you, and as we learn through the poem, trying to help herself deal with a loss. And she's comforting you. And so I, I will often think to myself when I hunt for those door keys, you know, accept the fluster of lost door keys. Or when I mess around for an hour and I have nothing to show for it, saying, you know, the hour badly spent. These are things we chastise ourselves, or at least I do. <laughs> yeah, when you walk into a room and can't remember what you went in there for, that kind yes, of thing. Yes, ex exactly. And then you say, now, what's, what's the matter with you? What's going on with your <laughs> head? You know? so, but we accept it because we understand that, that this is part of what living is about. It's not being 100% efficient all the time. When you're putting together a book like this, and obviously there's a lot of uh, how this all works included in the book, but you also use the poetry itself, which is uh, the work of others. Did you have to uh, go through a process of, of getting permissions to use the poetry that's included? Well, yes. After a certain uh, amount of time, the poetry becomes public domain. So that recently happened with Robert Frost's 
very famous poems, two of which I have included, you know, The, uh, the Road Not Taken and One Stopping of my favorites. It's so wonderful. And Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. Uh, those are two wonderful poems. Those have now, because of their long uh, history, come into the public domain. But at least a third of them are still under copyright. And all of those have got to be, you've got to obtain copyright. I, I found this out for myself. And, and you have to obtain it for hardcover book, print book, electronic, and audible. Um, so we got it for all those different things, and you've got to get it for the U.S. and the U.K. They're two sort of territories. That so I learned a lot about copyright, and <laughs> yes, and, and they're not very efficient at telling you you've got the copyright. You know, you have to go cap in hand several times. It was quite a procedure. Um, and you know, you mentioned the different uh, mediums that books are published in now. Um, electronic versions and audio versions, and and I'm I'm thinking the audio version of this um, could and should be very popular. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because um, I was really thinking the same. I know that it's currently it's been recorded by two voice actors, a husband and wife team, who record the poems written by women versus the poems written by men. And um, I'm dying to hear it. And I've, I've had other books recorded, and I've never really been that keen to hear it. But, but this one, just to hear how it sounds, you know? Yeah, it, it's, it's funny. Audiobooks, a lot of times we think of, uh, uh, you know, consuming a book uh, by audiobook as something we do um, maybe on a long road trip in the car, you know, as as a way to, um, you know, use the time a little more effectively. Um, but something like this, where there's poetry being read, I think is something that someone might even want to do uh, at home, you know, to set a little quiet time aside and and listen to poetry being read to them. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. One aspect of the book, uh, which, which I like, is that nowadays a lot of people don't have ready time to read a book from cover to cover. And because there are 50 poems, and each poem is a self-contained unit, you can read about the poem, the poet, how it achieves its effect, and what the takeaway lessons are from the poem. And that could be five, ten minutes of reading, and you can put the poem, the book down, and you've got some complete concept, some complete experience right there. And, you know, you can do one a day or one a week or when you feel like it, or you can read the thing right through because it does have a, a cohesive message that, it, that these poems can really make a difference, but it can also be read in a modular way. So I like that because... I know as a busy person, as most of us are, uh, you don't always have time to read for more than 10 or 15 minutes. But the issue with the audiobook, um, which I find uh, very useful these days, is I love going for long walks. And it's very enjoyable to be able to read, the, to listen to these poems while walking. 
Yeah, I would think, you know, I, I mentioned when I introduced you, Norman, that you're a clinical professor of psychiatry at uh, Georgetown Medical School. Um, but I didn't include the fact that you were the psychiatrist who first described seasonal affective disorder. And as such, I just wonder what your thoughts are about the impact of the pandemic on people and, and how your uh, book might actually be something uh, helpful to people as as we begin to uh, address pandemic fatigue and and fears about reopening and and contacting uh, coming in contact with other people more going forward yeah i i think that's a great question you know the pandemic has left a lot of loss in its wake loss of people uh, loss of businesses all kinds of losses so people are are feeling uh, traumatized and they are ready for beautiful things they're ready for comforting things they're ready for good messages and so i think uh, this book is coming at a good time because it's a time when people need comfort, they need joy, they need um, ideas, and all these positive things are incorporated in the various poems and descriptions. So I think it comes at a good time. It is a time of uh, uncertainty, uh, a time of anxiety. What is safe? What isn't safe? Uh, what can I do? What What is dangerous to do? All these things are not 100% clear. So I think that to look at some of these poems, some which have lasted essentially for millennia, perhaps the oldest poem in the book is uh, Psalm 23, The Lord is My Shepherd. Mm. And I, I have steered clear of religious things because everybody's religion is different. That's the only one which seems to be universal enough and comforting enough that I included it. So it goes all the way uh, from years and years ago into the 20th century. The art of losing isn't hard to master. So, so there are many, many in between. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Or a time will come when you will return home and look with elation at yourself in your own mirror etc., etc., you know, shall I compare thee to a summer day? All these poems. That, <laughs> Norman, yeah. could, could you do a book of this kind and not include Shakespeare? No, I have got three, <laughs> three sonnets by Shakespeare, and I explain how they fall in a sequence, which is basically a love story that is being spelled out in poetry. And each poem, because he's such a genius, each poem is a jewel of its own. But if you look at them in a sequence, they're also like a string of jewels, a necklace or a, a string of jewels. And they, have, they fall in a certain position and they tell a story that hasn't always been realized, which I didn't realize until I started writing the book that you can look at the, the, the poems before and after, the ones that I've included, and stitch together the story of this very powerful love story. Um, and I say, you know, we're all indebted to the object of his love for teaching us so much about 
for teaching him so much about poetry that we've all been the beneficiaries to learn that the course of true love never did run smooth. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, uh, we don't always necessarily have to read poetry to know that, but maybe it helps, and that's the point of the book. The yeah. um, The book title is uh, Poetry Rx, How 50 Inspiring Poems Can Heal and Bring Joy to Your Life. And you mentioned, Norman, that you've written 10 books. Um, are they... Are they academic in nature? This one seems to be... No, these are all popular books. These are all books, all geared to helping people one way or another. Winter Blues helps people with seasonal affective disorder, transcendence and supermind, show how uh, meditation can help um, to heal and transform, and the gift of adversity shows how sometimes we get the best lessons when things go wrong and when we have setbacks. So they all fall into that category, which is in line with my life work as a healer and a researcher. My guest is uh, Dr. Norman Rosenthal. He is a clinical professor of psychiatry at Georgetown Medical School and an author whose uh, newest book, um, scheduled for release May 4th, 2021, is uh, called Poetry Rx, How 50 Inspiring Poems Can Heal and Bring Joy to Your Life. Um, Norman, I I really appreciate you spending time and sharing uh, some information about this book and and the book itself. Um, But as as we get close to the end of our time here, with just a a minute or so to go, um, I always want to ask guests to share with the listeners where people can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Thank you, yes. Um, I have a website, which is normanrosenthal.com, and that's really the best resource because excellent. I put everything there, normanrosenthal.com. Norman, what's next? Well, we're not, we're not done. We're, 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 I'm putting out the word of, for the book. Uh, I, have, I have other ideas that I'm going to pursue next, um, and uh, there's still that egg in the frying pan. So, um, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I'll, I'll serve it up to you when it's, when it's fit to be eaten. Well, I appreciate that very much, and I look forward to it. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. Likewise. Thank you for having me on your show. Take care. That was uh, Dr. Norman um, Rosenthal, clinical professor of psychiatry at Georgetown Medical School and the author of um, a new book. Uh, Its uh, release date is uh, May 4th, 2021. It's called Poetry Rx, How 50 Inspiring Poems Can Heal and Bring Joy to Your Life. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. I know of a place where you never get harmed. A magical place with magical charms. Indoors, indoors, indoors. Take it away. The Tom Sumner Program.com. 
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. 
The Tom Sumner Program.com. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I went to see a, a play right here lately. It was one of them classical plays. And it was, uh, it was wrote by a fellow named William Shakespeare that lived over here in the old country here a while back. And it's a play, it's called Hamlet. And it was named after this young boy, Hamlet, that appeared in the play. And it was pretty good, except that they don't speak as good English as we do. <laughs> now, let's see. Hamlet, he, he, lived, he lived in this castle over in the old country with his mama and daddy. You know where it was that his daddy was king over this land. And also living with him there was a fellow named Claudius. Now, Claudius was Hamlet's uncle on his daddy's side. And before the play ever opened, this fellow Claudius plotted and killed Hamlet's daddy so that he might gain the throne and then married Hamlet's mama. And that made him Hamlet's stepdaddy. And, well, all do try to remember that if you can because you will need it later on. Now, there was a fellow Polonius. He lived there. He was a kind of advisor to the king. And there was a fellow named Horatio. He was Hamlet's buddy. He lived there. Then there was a girl named Ophelia that was visiting there. He, she was Hamlet's sweetheart that he had met at BYPU. <laughs> and, uh, well, there's all, there's all kinds of maids and soldiers and stable boys and things like that that live there too, you know. And remember, before the play ever opens up, Hamlet's daddy's already dead. And when it, when it opens up, it opens up on these two soldiers that was a standing guard one night. And this ghost come up on them. And one, 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 of them says, one of them says, hark. He said, no, they said hark a whole lot back then. <laughs> he, said, he says, hark, what thing is this I see before me? And the other one says, let us flee and seek out young Hamlet. For behold, it bears a visage like unto his father. And it, it did too. It looked just exactly like him. <laughs> You couldn't took a better picture uptown. They, they were in the house to get Hamlet, but he had just come in from high school and was tired and had went on to bed. But anyhow, they told him about it, and he got on up and put his britches on and went on outdoors with them. And when he got there, the ghost started talking to him. Says, Behold, Hamlet, says, Look on me, for I am the ghost of thy father. Then it went on to tell him, you know, how it was that Claudius had plotted and killed him, you know, like I told you a while ago. Well, when it got on telling him, it made Hamlet swear to seek out vengeance on his former uncle and present stepdaddy, Claudius. And after Hamlet swore it, while well, the ghost went on off, and none of them ever seen it after that. And it, it was right there that Hamlet gave that soliloquy about being or not being. And, uh, well, for them that don't know, a soliloquy is a kind of a self-talk. You know, it is where you kindly, you know, sit and look away off and kindly talk to yourself. And that's what he was doing. Only he wasn't sitting down, he was walking. And when he, when he come close to the end of it, he come up on this young girl, Ophelia. And he says to himself, he says, soft, I see Ophelia fire. Well, he sat down and started talking to her. 
asked her how she was and how her daddy was and how her mama was and different ones. And while he was talking, he looked and he seen a fella hiding behind a cedar chest. And he did, and he took out his sword and he run the fella. He run him upstairs and he run him downstairs. But he couldn't catch him and it made him mad and he come back to Ophelia, mad at her. And he hit her in the face and he throwed her on the ground. And he, he, he says, get thee to a nunnery. For thy face is a vile thing before my eyes. Now, it, it was right here that Hamlet first started acting like that he wasn't all that. <laughs> well, he... See... Well, see, he figured, he figured that if the people that plotted and killed his daddy thought that he wasn't right in his mind, they'd talk around him, you know? But, but they didn't. One night, he was up in his mama's room and telling her good night. And he looked over there, and he seen these curtains rustle just the least little bit. And he eased out his sword, and he, he aged over to where it was the curtains was rustling. And he run the fella through, and the fella fell, and he seen it was that fella Polonius that I told you about a while ago. <laughs> well, what he'd done, he picked him up and took him over and throwed him out this little window in this creek that run by, and none of them ever missed him after that. <laughs> And it was right after that that this carnival come through. Sideshow, show folks, you know. They come through and Hamlet had them to put on a show exactly the way that the murder of the king was committed. And let me tell you, when they got to the place in the play that the king was killed, Hamlet's stepdaddy got up out of his chair and he says, Hold. He says, Cease this wild carrying on and evil acting in the palace of the king. And he run them all out of the house. And it was right there that Hamlet first knowed that he was going to have to get even with his stepdaddy for killing his daddy. And it was also right there that Hamlet's stepdaddy knowed that he was going to have to get shut of that boy or he'd have trouble out of it. <laughs> well, what he'd done, what he'd done was the next day he put on a big sword fight between Hamlet and another fellow. And he, he give this other fellow a sword with a poison point on it. And he give Hamlet a plain sword, and he had a bowl full of poison wine for Hamlet to drink just in case he won the sword fight. Well, he put up his hands, and he says, lay on. And they went to it, Hamlet back the fellow, and he fell back Hamlet, and back and forth like that for a while, until pretty soon Hamlet got cut on the arm by that poison sword. And he commenced to weaken, but he fit harder than he ever did, and he kept a backing the fellow off and a backing him off till he run him through. And the fellow fell dead. And Hamlet went over to take a drink of that poison wine, and his mama, she knowed it was poison. She took it and drunk it herself, and she fell dead. And then Hamlet, with his last breath, went up to his stepdaddy and run him through, and the stepdaddy fell dead. And then Hamlet, he had done about all he could do, and he <laughs> fell dead. <laughs> and it's a pretty good show. <laughs> and, and the moral of it is, though, I reckon, if you... If you was to ever kill a fella and then marry his wife, I'd be extra careful not to tell my stepson. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
wondering where to stand in your life. How could I be so blue? Just yesterday I held you. How could I be so vain to bring myself to such pain? Seems that the last time I should have learned when you rush in, love can turn all of the joy you're feeling today. You might be throwing away. Next turn it's down And love never stays the same One day it's sunshine Tomorrow it might be rain But still I keep on riding Still I keep praying That I find that right love So I'm not so wrong Where's the magic gone? It seems that the last time I should have learned That when you rush in Love can turn All of the joy You're feeling today You might be throwing away Cause love Turn it down Love never stays the same One day it's sunshine Tomorrow it might be rain But still I keep on riding Still I keep praying That I find that right love Someday It's a merry-go-round Yeah show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs> 